great to see you all here. You're very welcome. Um, if you missed the beginning, if you're new or visiting, you're very welcome. Um, after the service, uh, we will uh, attempt to serve coffee outside. Um, as I said at the beginning, we are working on how we get that inside so that we don't all freeze to death in the coming weeks. But um, it's great to see we're here. Just as had a sense, um, we're going to hear from Ruth in a second, but uh, after Ruth's spoken, I just feel like the Lord wants us to push into ministry, perhaps in a way that we've been slightly cautious and reluctant to do over the last uh, little while. And um, I just have this sense, the Spirit of God, just over the course of this morning, just I just saw the dancing hand of God. You know, you, Paul talks about distribution of spiritual gifts um, in Corinthians. And um, I just have a sense that the Spirit of God is just going to distribute and give different ones of us gifts. And so um, after Ruth's spoken, we'll wait on the Lord a bit. Um, but uh, I think some of you are going to have prophetic words. I think some of you are going to have words of knowledge. I think some of you may have um, gifts of healing that we can pray for people who are sick. So, um, as you're listening to Ruth, have one ear on Ruth and one ear on the Holy Spirit, and we'll see what the Spirit of God wants to do. Does that make sense? But right now, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Ruth Grimaldi. Give her a huge round of applause. She's going to be finishing off our series on climate change. We are thrilled and delighted to have you, Ruth. I'm going to hand over to you. Thank you so much. Hey, everyone. Um, Thanks for having me. Before I get started with um, what I feel like God's given me to say today, I just wanted to make you aware of something. Um, this is an album that our lovely Gemma, who was up here speak, um, singing just now, has been contributing to amongst others. And they put it together in response to climate change. So it's kind of worship songs focused around um, our response to the environment. You can get it on Spotify, YouTube, visit their website. Um, they've even got a COP26 tour, uh, which is in, I think I had a look, I was aware, and Muswell Hill, I think this week, starting this week. So have a look on the website. Um, there's study guides, there's all kinds of stuff on there. So I just wanted to make you aware of that. It's a really great resource. Okay, so climate change part five. Um, for those of you, so this is really high. Is there any chance of making it a bit small? I feel like... I can't really see past people. Um, so for those of you who've been with us the whole series, um, it started off with another Ruth. Thank you, that's brilliant. Um, de um, what's the word? Debunking some myths around climate change so that it responding to caring for the environment is not just for tree huggers. Um, it was deep in the heart of Jesus. He wanted to release the oppressed to see justice. Um, the Bible speaks about renewal of the earth. So we've kind of looked at climate change being a real justice issue. In week two, Chris challenged us to love our neighbor. We looked more about what that might look like. And he took us on a bit of a historical tour of um, movements in the past that have been led by Christians and led by the church um, and the impact that that has had, such as the uh, abolition of slavery. In week three, Howard very bravely laid bare his life um, and his his carbon footprint, what he's doing to respond to that and challenge us all to do the same. Hands up if you've taken the little quiz test that was put out. You can monitor your impact. That was on an email sent out by the church. Um, you can have a look at what your carbon footprint is and there was a whole list of ways that you can address that. And then last week, Rachel encouraged us to speak up and to use our privilege and our choice um, 
to have an impact, to join together with the billions of other Christians around the world um, and to, to use our voice. So I wonder if you want to take just a minute to think, how are you feeling at the end of this series? Are you feeling inspired? Are you feeling overwhelmed? Do you feel anxious? Do you feel hopeful? And just let God meet you in that place. Our hope as a team bringing you this series is that you would share our conviction that climate change is a justice issue, that it's really close to the heart of God, and it requires a response from us. As I have engaged with this topic over the last, well, probably weeks when we started gathering as a, as a group early September to think about this, God has just really been challenging me that actually this is an issue of worship, and it's about what's in our hearts. We know what we love by looking at how we spend our time, where we put our money. Um, and I really feel that God has, has challenged me quite a lot on that. Um, when we love God with all of our hearts and our minds and our soul and our strength, and when we love our neighbors as ourselves, we're effectively taking ourselves off the throne and we're putting God back on, which is his rightful place. And probably not many of us would say that we, we are actually on the throne. We would probably all say that God is, and I would have said so too, until, um, until we bought a car. This car caused, has caused me so much trouble. Um, one particularly bad half-term week when I sat in bumper-to-bumper traffic for hours, barely going fast enough to even cruise along in first gear, I was just... I just sort of lost it. So in Australia, we, we lived in Australia for five years, and most cars in Australia are automatic. I don't get why we don't have more automatic cars in this country, honestly. And I was like, that's it. Like, we're just buying an automatic. I can't do this anymore. So we thought, right, Alex started researching automatic cars. He's like, we should get an electric car. I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, we don't have a driveway, right? We live in a terraced house. Um, we researched it. They're really expensive. Um, we looked at it some more. Alex felt very convicted. I felt very hostile. Um, <laughs> like, amazingly so, you probably all think I'm really nice, and I'm actually really not. Like, this became such an issue that he would start to raise it. I'm like, I'm not talking about the car. He had to email me to communicate with me about the car because I just refused to engage with it at all. It was the most I've ever spent on a car in my entire life. And I just I couldn't get there in my head. I'm like, it's a car. Like, um, does it really matter? Maybe we'll just use it a bit less, like that sort of thing. We even had friends who had offered to buy our old car who were like, we're ready. We're ready. Like, whenever you want to sell it. And I was like, I'm not selling the car. Anyway, we sold the car. We bought this car. Um, it's a plug-in hybrid. It's not like... You know, it's probably not the best, not the worst we could do, but we, it means we can drive around London on electric. Alex was like super, you know, we've got to do this if we want to give clean air to our children and, and whatnot. Um, it really challenged me because it cost a lot of money. Um, and that was like our house deposit fund for the next house we want to buy to the point we had to go, if we need that money, we'll have to sell the car. Um, but it really made me think about how much I am prepared to do something about the environment. Like, how much am I prepared to let it cost me? So it's like one thing to take my own reusable cup to the cafe, 
that's not hard. It doesn't actually cost me anything. In some places, you even get a discount, so that's quite good. Um, but some other things that we're going to need to do will cost us, right? And so for me, I had to face up to the fact that money was probably more important to me um, than justice or putting the welfare of others, I guess, ahead of my needs or my wants. The other thing I've been challenged about is my choice. So I spent a lot of my 20s traveling anywhere I hadn't been yet or somewhere I wanted to go. I had the luxury of kind of jetting around the world in my 20s. I don't know that my children are going to have the chance to do that. So I've got two boys, they're seven and nine. I have days where I just think, they may never drive a car. You know, they may have to eat insects and grasshoppers and things because we won't be allowed to eat meat by then. Um, they might live on rationing because we'll have to have cut down so much of what's available. And I know that might sound a bit extreme, but I don't think it's that far away. That I think in 10 years' time, 20 years' time, they're not going to have the luxury of choice. Like my immediate family, well, obviously not my husband's children, but my, the rest of my family, they all live in Australia. And that was really easy to do in like the 90s and the 2000s when we were all jetting everywhere and that was all fine. Um, but now that is a bit sticky. So I did the carbon audit and my emissions go like way above 10 simply because I fly to Australia every two years. Um, but I'm not prepared to not do that because then I would never see my family again. But part of our decision to come back and live in the UK was that I slightly do believe that Australia may get too hot to live in at some point because it's already pretty hot. Um, these things are actually happening and they do start to impact us. And I think I've just been convicted of having taken God's blessing and his provision for granted. Um, Ruth reminded us in the first week that we are intrinsically linked with creation. And I think, you know, we are created by a God who sustains us every day. There's enough in the world for everybody. Um, but it's like we've kind of taken what he's given us and gone, it's cool, we've got it from here. We know how to make this thing work, and we just don't. Like, I think there's the climate change issue is actually a sin issue. Um, it's the fact that we've put ourselves on the throne and not God. We've been watching a couple of the Planet Earth DVDs with the kids lately, and we've watched some of the Earthshot Prize videos as well. Um, and it does, like, especially as a city dweller, you know, you kind of watch it and you see these grand trees and these mountains, and you, you can't help but be in awe of it and the grandeur of God. And I think, particularly those of us who, you know, have been long-term city dwellers, it's easy to disconnect from the grandeur and the, um, the awesomeness of God and the fact that all of creation is designed to give God glory. Um, we watched this little segment. There were these cicadas that hatch every 17 years. I don't know if anyone's seen this, but every 17 years, it's like mass of them, and they live for a couple of days just to feed the forest and all the animals in it, and then they die, and then they just disappear for another 17 years. Like there's all these just mysteries and provisions in all of creation, and I think it just made me think how much I think I've tended to just consume the world um, rather than really appreciate it. And I think there's something about stopping and really like, resting in it and appreciating it. 
In the Old Testament, there are numerous examples of times when disaster comes upon the people because they've not reverenced God. They forsake his ways, they turn to other gods, they forget his commands. Um, they encounter famine or drought or they become overtaken by other rulers. And that just kind of struck me that we're kind of pretty much there. You know, I think we have let other things take over and we've forsaken God and his ways. Um, in 2 Chronicles 7:14, we read, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. And I think it's just that our climate crisis is actually just the response of us going our own way. Um, Isaiah 53, 6 says, you know, we all like sheep have gone astray. We've each of us turned to our own ways. And so whether knowingly or unknowingly, I think we have sinned because climate is a matter of justice and it's a matter of worship. Um, yeah. I think we failed to revere God as the creator and sustainer of all life. And I think we failed to love our neighbors as ourselves. And certainly I, and I think you know, the Western world particularly, have lived in ways which have caused other people to suffer, to live in deprivation and instability, so as to preserve our comfortable lives. Um, and I think when some of those countries have not had all of our material comforts now want them, we say, no, you can't, you can't have that because the cost is too high, but yet we've enjoyed it for such a long time and there's something really wrong about that. Um, and so I just feel really strongly that we need to repent, actually, and like confess our sin in it. Um, as it says in Chronicles, like, I think we need to humble ourselves and pray and turn from our ways. And so I'd actually like you to invite you all to stand. And a prayer is going to come up on this screen. Um, I'd love it if we could just prayerfully, like, humbly read this together as our kind of corporate act of confession for ourselves, but also for our, our nation. Um, Creator God. We can all read. Do it together. Let's see if we can do a bit of an Anglican kind of thing going on. Um, Creator God, maker of heaven and earth, we acknowledge our failure to live responsibly as part of your creation. We enjoy the fruits of the harvest, but sometimes forget that you have given them to us. We belong to a people who are full and satisfied, but ignore the cry of the hungry. We have taken what we want without considering the consequences. We have wasted and discarded without thought for the future. Open our hearts and minds to the signs of our times so that we may turn from our greed and lack of vision and see a world being made anew in Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you. You can sit down. The upside of this, if we return to Chronicles 2 Chronicles 7.14, is that God says he will forgive sin and heal the land, um, which I just think is such a glorious opportunity for the gospel. 
Um, it is a sin problem, right, I think. And as we seek to respond to climate change, we have a, an amazing opportunity to connect our family, our friends, our colleagues, those that we encounter in the shops or in the street, with the fact that there is a creator who sustains all things, who loves us and has a way, which is right, that we can follow it. And that as we return to God, he will heal our land. And I think it can feel quite hopeless, the whole climate change thing, and it can feel so overwhelming. Um, but I just think it's actually a really great opportunity. And I think that God can just use it marvelously if we kind of tap into his power and tap into his truth and we actually represent him to other people. Um, it says in Romans 1, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. And then in Acts 14, in response to a crowd wanting to worship them for the signs and miracles that they performed, Paul and Barnabas responded with these words. We're bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He's shown kindness to you by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. And those just really spoke to me. I just think, you know, God is constantly revealing himself in all of creation. What we're encountering is nothing new. For, like, throughout the Bible, God is telling people to turn from their ways and to follow him and his ways. Um to live respectfully and reverently before God. And so I think if we follow the teachings of Jesus, if we truly love our neighbors above ourselves, then the future can be really different. And our message to our families and friends is that, you know, if we follow Jesus, if we put aside selfishness and greed, then this mess that has been created can be overcome through forgiveness and through following him. Which I just think is really exciting. Like, I'm excited because it means that he can heal the land, but I'm excited because it means that also people can come back to God and know him as he truly is. Um, there's a bit in Jeremiah 2 where, where God says, uh, what fault did your ancestors find in me that they strayed so far from me? That always gets me. Because I just think, yeah, what fault can we find in God? Um, the faults that we throw at him really are just the results of sin. And so I think if we just really hold that, like cherish that in your heart, there is no fault that we can find in God. And we have the opportunity to offer people reconciliation with God and hope for the future. And I just think that's really exciting. And so I think in all of this, we can be leaders and not victims. You know, in week two, Chris told us the story of Wilberforce and other Christians who spent years campaigning to end slavery. And last week, Rachel reminded us that there are two and a half billion Christians in the world. So what if, as followers of Jesus, we led the way? What if we attend to the things that we can do as individuals by completely changing our hearts? You know, not just adding action upon action upon action, but shifting what is in us 
and how we express our worship to God. We should be the people who are living for God, not ourselves, with freedom and joy. We're the people who have a future hope. And I think that's where we find our peace. In Romans 12, it says, you know, in view of God's mercy, offer yourselves as living sacrifices. This is your spiritual act of worship. And that's in the NIV. In the New Living Translation, it just says, this is, we do this because of all that he has done for us. Um, and it can be really tempting to think of all of this in through like, well, what can I do? And we can do many things, as we've talked about. But if we just try to do them in our own strength, we will run out of steam. Um, or we'll just end up walking around feeling really burdened by it all the time. And I'm definitely guilty of trying to only do what I can do in my capacity. And yet, if we go back to the, the Bible, um, it's full of stories of all kinds of people who did amazing things because they trusted in the power of God and stepped out and did what they couldn't do otherwise. So I'll just read you from Hebrews 11. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than all the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. I feel like I could stop there, but I'm not going to. By faith, he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He persevered because he saw him who was invisible. By faith, he kept the Passover and the application of blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land, but when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell after the army had marched around them for seven days. By faith, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with all those who were disobedient. And what more shall I say? I don't have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah, about David and Samuel and all the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. They shut the mouths of lions, they quenched the fury of the flames, and they escaped the edge of the sword, whose weakness was turned into strength, and who became powerful in battle and rooted foreign armies. Like, I think that's so amazing. And that's, like, that's the same power we have, right? That's no different. So our hope as a team in bringing you this series on climate change was that you would have better understanding of what the Bible says about the environment and the implications for responding for climate change, that you would see climate change as a justice issue and that responding to that is expressing, um, is an expression sorry, of tackling injustice and loving our neighbor and that you would have a better understanding of the nature of the problem and the potential solutions. And we hope that you feel inspired and encouraged by our kind of collective passion for this topic. We hope that you feel inspired to identify what you can do, what we can do as a church, and that you feel inspired to take concrete action. But we have to do it in the power of the Spirit. We have to do it with God's help. Otherwise, we'll just be like everybody else trying to do our best. But God has the power to magnify anything that we do. 
which I think is just amazing. And I can think of examples in my life where God's just taken something that looks so impossible, smashed it open, and a totally new situation has arisen. Like even just recently, we're going to Australia for Christmas to see my family. Um, it's been two and a half years since we've seen them. Even a month ago, that looked completely impossible. We would have had to quarantine for two weeks. It would have cost us five and a half thousand pounds. We would have been fined for taking the children out of school. That's another three thousand um, pounds. I would have had to take unpaid leave from work for a ridiculous amount of time. Like all these things just felt too impossible. Like we just can't do it. And then we started praying about it. Our small group started praying about it with us. And then we got permission to take the boys out of school. They totally abolished all quarantine just for New South Wales. Um, and then my boss has said that I can work, do some work from over there so we don't have to count it all as holiday. And it's just like, you could say, oh, maybe that happened, would have happened anyway. It wasn't really God. But I just think when I pray, coincidences happen like that, you know? And when I don't, they don't. Um, even on Thursday, I went to work and I'd been worshiping on Wednesday night and I was just in a state of like, oh God, like I just want more people to know about you. I just want more people to know how great you are. And it really pains me that, that they don't. It really pains me that I work alongside people who just don't think they need God because I feel like you're just missing out on so much richness and so much goodness. So going into work on Thursday, I was like, just give me an opportunity to talk to someone about you today. Sat down in the lunchroom, had half an hour chat with a lady all about what I was talking about for climate change today. Um, and you could say, well, that maybe just happened because you wanted it to happen. I'm like, I'm sure it did. But at the same time, my days are usually very busy and I don't normally have time to sit for half an hour in the lunchroom. And it just so happened that that was when she was there and I was there and it all lined up. And I just think the more we ask God, the more things will happen. Right? So let's just be really bold. Let's not look to what everyone else is doing. Let's not look to what is normal, to what feels possible. Let's not look at the size of the challenge, but let's look at the, the grandeur um, and the generous love of our God. It is hard to remember to do the things that make a difference. But if we ask the Holy Spirit to help us, he will. I don't know how many of you have had that little nudge where you're like, are you about to do something and you just kind of get this, oh, I should just do, or I should, you know, this and that. And I think that's the spirit in us who can prompt us and remind us and enable us. It is hard to go without things for the sake of people we've never met and to stand up for an injustice that feels out there, which is increasingly coming closer. But we can do it because the love of Jesus compels us to and that we're not dependent on ourselves and we're living for something bigger. I have sometimes felt, if I'm honest, as a Christian, it's a bit easy. Like, it gets a bit, it's a bit boring sometimes. Um, and I think what God's really challenged me for is that's because I'm just doing what I can. Um, I think of times in my life where I haven't, where I've really, like, stepped up and I'm like, yeah, God, we're going to, like, go places. And I've gone places. Um, and, you know, quit my job and really taken risks. And I think I've become less uh, of a risk taker as I've got older but I just don't want to lose that. Because I think that's where we see God. That's where we get our edge. You know, that's where we feel close to him is when we're stepping out and relying on him and trusting him to open doors and enable things. So let's look to God first and ask him what he wants our response to climate change to be. Where does he want us to speak up? Even if it feels impossible, he can open doors. That's no problem for him. Think of the impact that two and a half billion Christians could have on the world. Think of the impact you could have as someone spreading good news. 
Just don't do it alone. So I just want to just leave you with the thought that our sacrificial response to climate change is a daily act of worship. Um, and that just really just helped me to capture it, I guess, that the things that I do, it's a daily act of worship in what we sacrifice. Um, but we're putting first the creator and sustainer of all things. I forgot to ask the band to come back up. So I was just in a, on a roll. Anyway, let's get the band to come back up. Um, I would love it if we could just take a few moments just to think about what God might be stirring you for. Have you got too safe and too comfortable? Uh, do you believe that change is really possible? And do you see people, or can you know, has God putting on your heart anybody now that you need to share his good news with? Um, I'll just pray, and then I'll hand over to Gemma and the guys. Uh, Lord, we just want to give you our lives and thank you that you make all things new, that you can renew our minds. And as we've looked at this whole issue of climate change, we want to be daily worshippers of you. We don't want to be overwhelmed. We don't want to feel overcome by the world, but we want to be people who tackle big, big things because we do it with your power. Um, and in your name so make us ambitious make us hopeful make us active and just give us momentum Lord give your whole church momentum across the world to be leaders in this place that it would not just result in the healing of our, our world but it would also result in the turning of many hearts to you just pray this in Jesus name Amen